It is the Brotherly Love Podcast, Anchor.fm. Appreciate you tuning in with John Mita. I am Joe O'Donnell and Johnny Meats. Great to talk to you again, my friend. How you been? I've been well, buddy. You know, um, I'm excited to be back in the state of Pennsylvania. It was a rocky ride to get back from the beautiful state of Florida. But, uh, you know, we had some airline issues. But other than that, just like the rest of the country today. And uh, now, man, happy to get back. Happy to witness that final preseason game. The Eagles versus the Giants. And I just, (laughs) just, just excited that, you know, the number one seed is locked down. And and it's it's there. And this is a very this is an opportunistic time for them to strike the iron while it's hot. And they have a great opportunity here. So that that's all good. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So. And, and look, I think our last um, podcast came out late New Year's Eve. Um, and we thought they were going to take care of business against the Saints. Obviously, that didn't happen. But they got it done against the Giants. And I like the way you called it a preseason game. Everybody that's panicking about how they played, yes, I get it. You don't want to just try and flip a switch and get ready for the playoffs. But with the bye, you got to kind of flip a switch anyway because you're not playing football for a week. So nobody else got injured. They got the win. That's all they needed to do. I think they had the most vanilla game plan on the planet. Would I have liked to have seen them score a couple more touchdowns and put that game away early? Yes, but a win's a win, and they'll await their opponent now. And we'll get into that in a minute. But overall, man, for this team to win – 14 games in the regular season and to lock up the number one seed and basically lead the conference essentially all the way through is pretty damn impressive. And uh, kudos to the group, Nick Sirianni's team for getting it done. And we'll see uh, an extra week for Jalen Hurts and Lane Johnson and Avante Maddox to rest up. It was great to see Gardner Johnson uh, back last game to shake off some rust and, and now kind of recover and get ready for the playoffs. And we know the road to the NFC, uh, for the Super Bowl goes through the link. You know, it's up to them now to maintain that. And I really think they've got a good chance to do so. No, absolutely. Kudos to Howie Rose in the front office and Jeffrey for emptying his pockets once again. Um, you know, it was a great, I mean, his all season, listen, if they can find a way to seal the deal here, I mean, it might go down as one of the best of all time. Yeah. And, and could literally, I mean, I thought I would never, Never say this. And it's like me saying that Jonathan Gannon is a great defensive coordinator. But I am shocked that, like, if they find a way to stamp the deal and win the Super Bowl, you might put Howie Rosen as Hall of Fame executive, which I thought is, I know, crazy, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to go that far because I still kind of hate Howie Rosen. But he has done a great job. Right. And it looks like the Eagles could lose both coordinators. You know, both are getting interviewed for positions already and Shane Steichen, or at least have been requested to interview and Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. You know, and that could shake things up, whether they win it all or don't win it all. They could be looking at a, a big-time change in the coaching staff ranks moving forward. Uh, saw a little rumor on Twitter that, or at least uh, somebody had said that, you know, Frank Reich could be a guy that possibly returns to the organization. You know how close him and Sirianni are, so... A lot that could transpire over the next few weeks. Let's just hope that as we continue with these podcasts and into February, we're talking about a Super Bowl run because that's what we're all hoping for here. I think they have the talent to do it. Um, If they have the health factor on their side as well, I think they've got a damn good shot. And I'm not really afraid of any of these teams that are in the NFC. The quarterback play is average uh, for the other opponents. Yes, 
San Francisco presents some challenges should they be the team that gets through um, because of their defense, because of their skill set, because of their coaching, their experience. But they also have Brock Purdy, who was the last pick in the draft and has started like six games in his life. So I'm not sweating Brock Purdy coming into Philadelphia and torching the birds. Could he manage a game? Could he keep the Niners in it? Yeah. But at the end of the day, you got to make plays. And with the way the Eagles get after the quarterback, I think ultimately they should be the favorite to come out of the NFC. They're not, according to Vegas. But uh, Vegas, as often as they are right, isn't always right. I like the birds um, to take care of business and, and eventually play for the Super Bowl, if I'm being quite frank. Like, I don't see anybody coming into Philadelphia and well, beating them, especially if Lane Johnson's back. The only thing I will say, and I know we're kind of, I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse here, but when you get in that divisional round, you know, it's, it's the first half for me that's really important because you're going to be coming off a few weeks where you really haven't played your best football. You're coming off a bye. You're going to be playing a team that's got momentum, and they're, and they're going to be an underdog. So for me, I know we're not there yet, but whoever they play in that divisional round at the link just don't have a atrocious first half. Don't be super sluggish. Don't give up 14 points in the first quarter, right? Like give yourself a chance to kind of get into the game. Yeah. And then I think the birds will be just fine. No, that's it. And like, you know, let's just not start off a game with 20, 25 called passes. I think it's very important. Yeah, that was absurd. I mean, I think it's really important to kind of get these linemen warmed up. And when I say that, like, let's run the football. Let's get these guys moving. Let's get some safe throws just to get the quarterback back in rhythm. And then we start slinging it all over the yard. Yeah. I just, I was just very disappointed. I would say, Joe, the last couple of weeks, the game plan. Again, I know why. The, another thing to look at, as far as like the Giants game goes, like you had to look at that they had a vanilla game plan due to the fact that, listen, it, there, there's a slight possibility that the Giants will be headed back to the link right. if they can pull up an upset in Minnesota. If you're going to play them again, why would you throw everything out there? So I think there was a little cat and mouse game by the Eagles coaching staff in regards to that type of scenario. But listen, you better save the best for last. I mean, they better bring it here. And the injuries are worried. Lane Johnson, that's one injury that's, listen, he's got a torn core muscle. At some point, you know, he is an Ironman, but to play through something like that, of course, you're going to, better living through chemistry. I'm sure they'll shoot them up with something, but, and and that's where I wonder, right? Like if they should put in a contingency plan, because like, frankly, Jack Driscoll hasn't got the job done. And I know we've discussed this before, maybe two weeks ago on the podcast or three weeks or probably two weeks, but like, do you move my to the right side and then put Dylan on the left? Cause they had that combination. I guarantee you, I, if correct me if I'm wrong, they did use that combination at one point last year, and it wasn't bad. Yeah, I think you're right about that. But I, I've been hearing a lot of people saying, "Well, now you're creating you right. Know, you weaken two, two positions." Pro- yes. I again, I hear that, but listen, Dillard is more comfortable playing left tackle. My yeah. lot of can swing. So, but you know what I mean. So, I, I, I listen. I get both sides of the question. I'm just saying, like when it's come to pass protection, man. Jack Driscoll is looking like a turnstile on yep. the end. And, yeah. and, I'll, and I'll say this, and this might be too elementary or rudimentary or just too basic, whatever you want to say, but, like, they should be practicing in these different scenarios, right? Like, Dillard should be getting reps. Driscoll should be getting reps. Mylotta should be getting reps at the right side. And I say that to say this. In the playoffs, you don't have time 
to wait till the fourth quarter or say, sure. oh, you know what? We should have made that adjustment. We'll do it next week. Well, no, no, next week you're out, right? So, like, you don't have time to sit around. And we've seen this coaching staff be a little slow, in my opinion, to pull the trigger on making significant changes in-game. But at least if you've practiced, again, this might be very, you know, too simplistic here, but I'm looking at it from the standpoint, like, if that's a possible option, right? If in-game Driscoll's getting smoked by whoever, Micah Parsons or Bosa or whoever, like, the, the you got to make a change in-game, or if somebody goes down like you would to an injury, make a change in-game, you better have damn well practiced and, and had guys taking reps at different spots just so you can have, you know, your bases covered. Absolutely. I mean, because the thing is this, you know, Lane's going to play through an injury. So you, you got to have all hands on deck. The other thing is at one point they moved Dillard played at some point during this season, he played a right guard. So, yeah, I mean, Stoutland's the master Stoutland university. So it's, it's going to be important to have contingencies with everything. Look at kind of what they did with Sydney. Oh my God. Am I going to get the Chauncey? Yeah. Guard. Jesus. Chelsea, Gardner Johnson, you know, there were times on third downs where he played in the slot against the Giants and they had like blanket ship back at safety until we get Avante Maddox out. Now he's still in a boot. Um, again, I don't know if he'll be ready for the divisional round, but even if you could get him back for the NFC championship, that would be absolutely enormous. Again, it's so funny. They tell me toe injury. Nobody's like claimed that it's turf toe. Like nobody's ever said a word on it, which is kind of weird, but it is yep. what it is. But yep. but all in all, I mean, listen, Lane, huge piece. Avante Maddox, we you know, for me, Joe, I think the biggest worry going is, is you know, it's not really the team and the health of the people. It's really gonna be the coaching staff. For me, my biggest worry is like, is Jonathan Gannon gonna be able to deliver the deal when he has to? Dial up the right stuff. I mean, that's that is a worry of mine. I, I've said this over and over, and I just said I hope he has the right formula going forward. But I, I just there's just times that and listen now, a stat came up which is pretty interesting. You know, 49ers they have the best defensive football. They actually blitz less than the Eagles, which I was kind of shocked about. But you know, they have a great front seven too, so they don't need to blitz either. I think for me, it's not blitzing every down. It's disguising coverages. It's, it's, it's bringing different types of pressure. You know, out of all the sacks, Joe, yeah. you know, I, I can't recall. There is not one def- team that has a sack, I don't think, which is kind of interesting because, like, if you go across you know, the Maddox league, had one against Prescott. Oh, okay. And well, then well, he had the one that he missed against Press. Oh, okay. Press. All right. Well, all right. But he did get one later all in that game. Right. Okay. Well, that that's only, the only one I can remember. So. Yeah. Well, you're right because Gardner Johnson doesn't. You yeah. know, Slay never comes on the blitz. I mean. Sure. You know, I could I could look it up real quick, but to your point, there might be three or four right. at the most on 18 weeks. Right. Right. Like well, you don't see apps in the backfield causing havoc. Right. Right. And I just at some point like. Because, like, I just I, – I don't know. I just feel like it's it's predictable. Do you know what I mean? Like, they know – like, if you bring up, like, let's say eight, nine guys in the box, you know, and you have the corners playing press, right, and they're playing press and they're in the slot, like, that's an opportune time to just maybe one time send that guy. 
Because the quarterback's not going to expect it because they know you don't blitz people, right? So it's like, all right, well, they know we don't blitz. Let's show them a new wrinkle. It'll be interesting to see what type of creativity they come back. And let me ask you another question, Joe. Who, 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 who do you want to face? Well, that's if, what I was going to say. Let's get let's get into the matchups here. Okay. Um, let's start with picking some winners here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Wild Card Weekend begins Saturday. Seahawks 49ers, give me your pick to win the game, and will they cover? Uh-huh. Um, I have the ESPN spreads up. They're not probably super accurate, but yeah. uh, as I'm just looking at the scoreboard. So Seahawks 49ers. Seahawks 49ers. Seahawks are getting what? Nine? Nine and, nine, a, half, nine and a half is what ESPN's showing. I say 49ers win, but Seahawks cover the nine and a half. I tend to like that as well because it's a divisional game and you've got a untested um, All right. quarterback in, in Purdy. Um, now, he's played well against them. He did play them at the end of the season, but again, you never know. All right. Ch- uh, Chargers, Jaguars. I, oh man, it, it, it's so funny. This is I, I. Unfortunately, I think that the Doug's uh, ride ends here. I kind of like the Chargers. Chargers minus two. Who are you taking? Oh yeah, Chargers all day. All right, I'm taking the Jags to win outright. Oh, I like it. I'm I think special. that I think that Poopy Peterson's got the momentum. That game is in Jacksonville, and I just don't I, think. I, I mean, look, look at how the Chargers collapsed last year. They didn't even get in. Right? No, so I know. It's not like they got yeah. the experience of last year. So I'll take the team that's playing, has been playing playoff football for a while, and a coach that's won a Super Bowl over Brandon Staley. As good as Herbert and company are, no, I also I know. heard today Staley that the Chargers is, can't. The Chargers, Staley, have the, yeah. Chargers have the worst run defense in the history of the NFL or something crazy. Yeah. They gave up like five something yards to carry. So ETN and the Jags all day. All right. All right. Uh, all right. I like Sunday. it. Staley is not a great coach. I'm Sunday, you. Dolphins, Bills. Oh, the Bills, and they cover by 50. Yeah, I have the Bills but <laughs> winning that game by three touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, the line's 13. Giants, Vikings. Yeah, and then Vikings. They're, also, they're also playing another back, you know what I mean, like a third-string quarterback. Yeah. Because Teddy, two gloves, is hurt, and two is still out with the concussion. Yeah. So they're going to start Skylar Thompson. Giants, Giants, Vikings, minus three. Imagine being a Dolphins fan, having not gone to the playoffs in years, and Skylar Thompson starting the game for you. Jesus. Uh, Giants, Vikings. Vikings are a three-point favorite. Gotcha. I'm just – listen, I, I don't think the Giants are that good. I'm not saying Minnesota's great, but I, I, I got to believe Minnesota at home. I think they win that game. I think they do, but do they cover the three? They love winning games by one point on last-second field goals. I'm with it. I think they do cover this time. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll, for the sake of argument, I'll take the three points, but I'm in agreement with you. The Vikings win that game. Ravens-Bengals in Cincy. Lamar Jackson has been ruled out. The line is eight. Yeah, I think Cincy. Yeah, Cincy, and I think Cincy they win wins. by, I think they I win think by they double cover. digits. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys-Bucks, Monday Night yeah. Football. Dallas is a two and a half point favorite, but it is in Tampa. In Tampa, you gotta love a good home underdog. Give me the Buccaneers. <laughs> Do they win the game or they just cover? Uh, I think they win the game. I, I think, think it, pa- it pains me to say it, but I think the Cowboys find a way to figure it out. I just think they're more talented. And Tampa's offense, yeah, they have Mike Evans uh, occasionally going. I'm just not a big now, fan of what say, they're doing. Did someone say – I thought I read something yesterday that Mike Evans is out. 
Is he just out really? of practice for the day? I read something. Uh, just clicked on Mike Evans' little bio on ESPN, so it was easy to grab, and I click on news, and I'm not seeing anything. Uh, so Fake news. <laughs> um, I'll take the Cowboys to win and cover. Okay. So that would mean, if our predictions are correct, that it would be Eagles-Cowboys? Oh, yeah. Jerry. Jerry! Coming back to the link. Right, because uh, they could only play the yeah. Giants, the Cowboys, or, or the Seattle. Buccaneers. Seattle. But we don't. Right, they don't right. have the shot. No. Right. So, yeah. And I just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the so three. Most the, likely the Giants the or three, the Cowboys. The three most likely opponents are the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, and the yep. Giants. Yeah. And the and, Giants. And I think we know yeah. that if it is the winner of the Cowboys-Bucks game, that game will be on Sunday at the link because they're not going to make a team play Monday night and then play Saturday the next weekend. Absolutely. It would definitely be Sunday, and I'm not, I, I don't doubt it wouldn't be like the last game of the day, I think. Yep. It's yep. not a night game, right? It'll no, it would be, be a four. Four, 4 o'clock or whatever, I think. Oh, lovely. <laughs> um, all right, so there you have it. Um, we'll get into those matchups when we get there. Hopefully we're able to get another uh, – um, Hopefully get another podcast in between them. But I know you wanted to – you mentioned this, and I'm glad you did. We should certainly talk about the DeMar sure. Hamlin situation. Yeah. Um, I was just in Buffalo recently um, for, the, you know, the, at the Wild Sabres game. But just, like, you know, that happened two days after we taped our last podcast. And, and mm-hmm. miraculously, he's home. Yeah. I don't want to say he's healthy, but he's on the road to recovery after right. literally being dead on the field for minutes. And thank God yeah. for those – Trained physicians, those doctors, those trainers. First responders, man. They kicked royal ass. Yeah. The emergency physicians on site at all the games. Unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I said this and then I kind of – I said this to some folks and I kind of walked it back because I realized it's crazy. But I'm like, you know, DeMar Hamlin's going to play in the Super Bowl. The Bills get there. Now, I know that's insane, but he'll be there. You know, he'll be on the field with this team at some point this playoff run. I expect the Bills, um, you know, to, I mean, to I, obviously to, God, to get honest, to the championship game. Listen, I don't think it's – I know it sounds crazy too, but how do you know it's that out of the realm of possibility? First of all, they didn't put him on IR, right? Well, I was just going to say, like, again, I guess my point is this. Like, it's not a knee injury. I mean, God, it's craziness, no. right? No, no, But there's no. nothing to rehab other than his lungs and his mental well-being. Like, physically, if they did all these tests and he's he's healthy enough to go home, like, you know, has he lost muscle mass? Has he, you know, like, I I don't know. Maybe I'm freaking insane. But the Super Bowl is also three, four weeks from now, you know? but, I mean, yeah, but remember this earlier in the year? Didn't J.J. Wan have his heart zapped and he played, like, that day or that week? Do you remember that? I don't. Yeah, J.J. Watt had to get either his heart back and rhythm. He was either paddled or something. And he was, like, literally playing, like, three days later. I swear to God. I'm telling you. Maybe he that's went, another he under He underwent a cardioversion procedure, which corrected an abnormally fast heart rate or cardiac arrhythmia. He was checked by multiple cardiologists after the procedure. That's just a quick Google search for October the 2nd mm-hmm. of this year. Yeah. But then I'm telling you, he played like the next week or something, which is he was back. At, he had it on Thursday to have a right. procedure to shock his heart back into rhythm. He was at practice right. the next day. Right. It's it's called a. Uh, oh my god, what is it called? Jesus, I know people have had them. 
Oh my god! My well, he had atrial fib- fibrillation. Right, said. right, right. But there's so it's, yeah, uh, and he was at practice the next day. So there you go. I forget what the hell the process is called. They basically like, you know, it looks like a welding thing, and they kind of zap your heart. It's uh, I forget the name of the thing. I should know this, but anyway, I'm not a heart guy. By the way, I'm pretty pro- sure I saw on a completely unrelated note, R.J. Barrett at the hotel the other night here in New York. Oh, nice. I wonder if he's got like a suite and he just lives here in the Madison. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Probably. in the addition on Madison. Nice. You should tell him uh, Duke sucks. No, yeah, I'm just well, Sorry. Sorry. I'm just nah, you're good. All right. So back to uh, <laughs> Hamlin. Uh, yeah. Seen what no, a- so basically it was like, you know, basically it's like, you know, kind of shot heard around the world. You're watching a football game and, a guy makes, you know, DeMar Hamlet, he makes a pretty routine tackle and he, T. Higgins. I mean, it was a collision. Then he literally, like, gets up, claps his hands and takes, like, two to three steps and then just literally just collapses to the ground. And everyone's, like, calling for medical personnel and, you know, just everyone's just like, you're just like, oh, my God, what is happening? Is this person, is this young man, is this guy going to lose his life? I mean, it was, you know, it's scary as hell. Especially for the players. I think both organizations, here's what I give kudos to. What those players did, you know, they called immediately for the personnel to come over. They got the ambulance on the field very quickly. I love how all the players stood around in unison to kind of just cover it up. So, like, you couldn't really see what the hell was going on. And you could just, all you had to do is just look at some of the players that they were showing pictures of and how distraught these guys were. And it's now come out that, you know, the NFL, when they resume this game, because they're absolute criminals, and Roger Goodell is just a jerk-off, but that's a whole nother story. But I love how the coaches came together, Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor. He basically said, listen, I want to go to the hospital with my guy. The, the thing, the beautiful thing is just everyone being so concerned, getting together. You look at the two teams, you know, they're warring against each other on the field. They're like gladiators going at it. But at that moment, you know, we see these guys with helmets, but we also have to realize these guys are also human beings. And just to see the humanity of people coming together, and it was beautiful, man. Like, even outside, like, the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, you saw, you know, Cincinnati fans, and we all know how crazy Bill fans are, and just saying prayers. And this this guy looks like a solid young man. He started his own charity at GoFundMe for, you know, trying to raise $2,500 for underprivileged yeah. kids, like uh, for toys for underprivileged children in like the Pittsburgh area, you know, by the end of the day, by like five days later, it's raised over eight million dollars, which is just again insane. It, insane. Just kudos to everyone that donated that, all the support from everyone around the league and other leagues, and it was just great to see. And I'm so glad this guy is going to make a recovery because, man, it was just awful to witness. Man, you just everyone was saying prayers. You know, now in today's day and age, you know, prayers kind of, you know, listen, everyone has their own religion, their creed. Some people don't pray at all, whatever. But just for that one moment, everyone, you know, was on the same page. And with the division and the divisiveness of our country right now, it was kind of like a real big breath of fresh air just to, yeah. just to see that. Because, like, we haven't had that in quite a while. And, I know. I know. It was, and it's it, amazing. It was, yeah, it was amazing to see, man. Just... And then he's like FaceTime with his teammates and he was able to like watch the game and, and have a little divine intervention there against the, uh, you know, against the Patriots. Apparently he like set off every buzzer in the, uh, 
you know, the hospital in the ICU unit or wherever he was. But um, just pretty incredible. But amazing. Um, I mean, it's just amazing. The whole yeah. thing. The whole yeah. thing yeah. from, from literally bringing him back to life. Yeah. To the recovery, the trainer, to the care yeah. he's gotten, to the support uh, from people all over the world. And you're yeah. right. The NFL, I'm shocked they didn't end up finishing that game in some regard at some yeah. point. But, you know, I think they realized for once the PR backlash was going to uh, be just devastating to the brand. Oh, um, I mean, listen, they they thought it was devastating what they did when they handled the whole Ray Rice situation. This would have been on a, an, an, an epic, like, you know, huge scale. I mean, yep. people would literally then, like, tune out and just, like, yep. hate the Some, NFL. Sometimes you have to bite the financial bullet. For the yeah. better good, and that, this is one where I'm sure they lost some TV money and they lost some sponsorship money, and they had to pay some people, you know, cut some checks to smooth things over to sponsors right. and whatnot. But ultimately, um, you know, you you start to blacklist yourself to the general public because of the way you handle situations. It takes a while to recover from. Now, what do you think of them? Like, if it turns out the way as far as like the playoff scenario goes, like in regards to like. Well, I've heard a lot of scenarios, right? Like they should have either done the coin flip or they should have let the Chiefs pick. Do you want home field or the bye? Look, there's no good way to do it. Um, does a neutral site AFC game kind of stink? I guess, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I got you, Johnny. Man. You're back. Uh, all right. Sorry. Like, I mean, I, I just – I don't see neutral site. Like that just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, look, it's – there's no right way to do it. That's what I was saying there. I think when you drop for a second, yeah, but sorry, you're good. Um, I just there's no right way to do it. This is a unique circumstance, unique situation. Let's hope we never see a player or see something like that happen again. Um, where you know we have to cross this bridge again as a as fans of football. But I think you just gotta you just gotta stick with the decisions been made. I mean, easy for me to say. The Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals are the teams most affected, but. They went with winning percentage. It is yeah. what it is. And I and to make it a bit more fair, you know, if the Chiefs and Bills were to meet, they'll meet somewhere else <laughs> other than Kansas City, um, which yeah. I guess is ultimately the best way you can do it. Yeah. But anyway. Um, all right, brother. Good stuff. Let's talk uh, after Wild Card Weekend. You got it. How Go about Birds. JoJo, by the way? Trust the process. 35 points and 10 boards in less than 24 minutes on the court last night. Must which, have been uh, the do. You know, he, yeah, he, went to go see, he went to go see James Harden's hairstylist, and, it, I mean, it, it worked wonders. No, I mean, the Sixers are catching their groove a little bit, and I'm not getting too – it's hard to get excited until we're coming down the stretch because regular season NBA is kind of just terrible to watch. But they're getting healthy, and that's a good sign. However, the cats, the Villanova Wildcats, are plumbing Ugh. as we speak. But they are. Justin Moore is still not back. And my bold prediction for the Brother Love podcast, take down UConn the championship, is still alive, baby. Yeah, it is because they'll be in the Big East tournament no matter what, my friend. Exactly. All right, brother. Uh, good All stuff right. as always. Appreciate you everybody tuning in. And as always, go Birds. Go Birds. Uh, yep, that'll do it. Brother Love podcast. Thanks for listening. For John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. Until next time, we'll see you.